Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Ransom Notes. Frank McKay here with our host, Catherine Ransom. She is the author of the book Ransom Notes. She is the subject of a documentary called Ransom Notes. She is the subject uh, of of a long radio series before she became the host of her own show. And she uh, she does a monthly visual, and she's lovely, and she's all blotch-free at this point. She was blotchy for a while, and she was lovely even when she was blotchy, and she she's a survivor. <laughs> she battled, and she... Uh, and she she survived, and she's still surviving wonderfully. Catherine Ransom, how are you? Well, I am surviving wonderfully, yes. and thank you for sharing that I've uh, my face has improved from my cancer treatments, and uh, I will just continue to smile and have a good time. Wonderful, yeah, wonderful. We we all we should all take a page out of your book. Um, you uh, you know, hey, listen, you're an inspiration. And you always give us wonderful words of wisdom, and I imagine you have some for us this week. Well, I, but I did. You get to see the Super Bowl last night? Oh yes, I did. Yeah, it was uh, interesting, and it was a fun. It was a fun Super Bowl. It was. Uh, it was well played. It was a good game. Well, we were invited to a Super Bowl party, and there were probably about 15 of us, and we had a great time, and I was rooting for the underdog, and I really thought the underdog was going to make it, but uh, uh, sort of fell apart in the last six or seven plays, but that's the way life is, but at least it was a game. There were certainly lots of people who predicted that it'd be so one-sided that it wouldn't even be interesting, and that was not true. They it was a, all the way to the end, up uh, up until the last couple of minutes. You know, they were, and it was a nice balance. I mean, one wasn't clear out of you, you know. It sort of went back and forth. So that always makes a contest like that. And uh, but uh, it it was also interesting during the uh, as I was reflecting back on last night. There really were two groups of us as people. There were the group that sat down at the television by the television watched it, commented about it, became engaged in it, discussed and made comments. And then there was a second group, and you know what they did. They sat around the counter (laughs) (laughs) and ate, and they talked. And they didn't talk about the game. I have no idea what they talked about because I was one of the group that was sitting in front of the TV taking it all in. And I'm just thinking, sometimes that's the way with life. And Christians, some just want to come and uh, uh, chat a bit if there's a, a something, and maybe maybe they sit and listen to the sermon, but they don't really watch. They don't really focus. Their brain is somebody else. Uh, we really to to say we really wanted to be a, a, a follower of the Super Bowl. We needed to watch and become a, and engaged with it. And no, I couldn't go out on the field and actually play and throw the football, but I could uh, get upset with some of the callings by the referee. I could cheer when there were some excellent catches and places where. Uh, and, and I think somehow we have to help Christians be willing to discuss and be more engaged and interactive in their Christian life. And we may talk a little bit more about that later today. But... Uh, I, I read a really, really discouraging headline this morning as I was waking up on my Facebook. It was either Facebook or uh, 
maybe my email, but somewhere. And and this draws me to ask you a question, Frank, before I share that. Have you ever sort of wished in your life and in your career and felt like, I need to quit? I need to quit either in some aspect of my life, like I'm going to not raise any more kids or your job or... And if so, how do you feel? Well, I've... I've been in business my whole life, and and uh, I've owned everything from nightclubs, three nightclubs, to restaurants, and and I I, I don't own them still, right? So they uh, they they closed, you know, they closed at some point. I owned a newspaper and a magazine, and uh, and they're neither with us. Thirteen promotion companies, all all a whole bunch of uh, organizations and businesses, and uh, and they're no longer here. So, uh, you know, you you get to a point where our business runs its course, and um, you know, unless it's your life's work and it's uh, it's the work that you chose to do, God's work, and and uh, and you know, you you don't necessarily plan on sticking with it. But yeah, I mean, discouragement comes there, and you know, especially when you're dealing with the public, sometimes you feel like. I, I, I'm bending over backwards and, you know, the people aren't responding in the way I I, uh, I would like them to. What else can I do? And if you don't know what else you're doing wrong, then, you know, it's, uh, it, yeah, it could be very discouraging. I've been discouraged before, sure. And, and when we got discouraged, we'd, we we uh, changed businesses and closed down businesses. And I think that ties in exactly what uh, the person who was being quoted was Peter Chin. I do not know him. And the headline was in a wonderful Christian magazine called Christianity Today. Uh, The headline read, I've reached my breaking point as a pastor. And then the study went on and the, the magazine quoted a recent study by Barna, which is a research group that particularly report and do research about religious subjects and situations and scenarios. And their headline, this is even more discouraging, Frank, 38% of pastors have grown real serious, have given real serious consideration to quitting the ministry in the past year. Now, 38% is a huge number. And that doesn't mean that they're all going to. It says that, but it was more than just a casual, oh, you know, because I think we all say, well, I'm going to quit this job. You know, I'm, you know, we all have had days like that when, you know, things just didn't go right. But that wasn't a real serious consideration. And I don't know that I ever in my life got really serious about quitting, although I stopped a couple of jobs, you know, and because I had some better opportunities. So, my question for us to sort of wrestle with today, and you can help my brain think about it, why do you think in this past year that 38% of people who are dedicated to Christ, dedicated to the church, and I'm sure it may have included priests and it could have included rabbis, I don't know exactly who was included in the survey. Why do you think this year has brought more leadership in the churches and the synagogues to wanting 
to leave the business in which they were dedicated to to, to lead. Well, I think first of all, uh, obviously, COVID uh, kept a lot of people away from the churches, and maybe when they got away um, from uh, from the churches and the parishes and the synagogues, mosques, they uh, they got used to not coming. And the other part of that is that we become very politicized in our uh, everything masks unfortunately i mean when uh, vaccines and all of these all of these issues became one or the other and i i think maybe some you know some men of christ and and women of uh, of of faith strong faith that are in charge of um churches i i, I think they started saying you know what it's not fun anymore right it's not enjoyable it was already an uphill climb uh, you know the internet has distracted so many people you don't have a lot of young people going uh, you know going into life saying i'm going to stay close to my church i'm going to stay close to my synagogue that's not what they're doing i mean they're you know they're playing video games they're they're uh, they're doing things on the computer they're doing things remotely and if you tie that all in together I would uh, I would say by the way and the number you're giving is 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 disheartening because it's it's 38% if you round that up it's 4 out of 10 so that means 4 out of 10 uh clergy people roughly uh that uh, uh that were asked this question and again you you pointed out correctly not that they're going to but they've considered quitting and uh, it's it's devastating if you think about it and we have to stay positive and i know that but uh what do you what do you think about what i just said well i i think you're right on and i think we probably can translate it as we've read headlines that much of the medical uh, personnel uh, have become discouraged as people have been tense as the burden was extra heavy, just like ministers trying to keep the flock together, but they can't have them in the same room. Uh, nurses are working extra hours. Doctors are seeing people die all the time. I'm sure ministers were having to uh, comfort families uh, uh, who had either death or seriously uh, injured or hurt or from the virus. I, I, I'm sure. It, it, and then their own family would be tense because they couldn't do things, so they weren't getting the support at home, which is probably why the the, the medical profession, and, and I think there's some other professions. I think some of our police and, and that times, I think they've had some extra tensions also. But uh, it, it, part of it also is that, and I think you identified the political tension of this whole thing, and I think we forget about that. I know there were, or several right in my own church in the class that I was teaching before all of this happened, that it's, it's everything I can do to try and keep some love going between, quote, two sides of the family because some think, yes, we should have protection. Some think, no, we shouldn't. Each seem to have very valid reasons, and at the moment I'm not taking a position other than I certainly have received the vaccination myself. But just to get them to be able to talk to each other or be in the same room, the tensions are that high. You know that has to affect a minister. 
or leadership in the church, not just the senior pastor, but, you know, all of them. And it's it's a real challenge. And as I was thinking about it, I, I often Google when I'm trying to get some help for uh, background in the Bible, because sometimes my brain doesn't remember everything. I should know out of 66 books and lots of pages of words. And so I was putting in discouragement and that kind of thing, and I Googled up. And if you tried to think of uh, someone in the scripture who got discouraged, can you think of anyone who tried to run away because they were discouraged? Do you remember a certain person that Christ, right? right when he went to the desert, I mean, uh, he was he was tempted, and he was, uh, um, uh, I think, he was uh, getting to the point. But of course, he uh, he didn't thank you know thank Lord from uh, from from us. But uh, I think. Um, uh, Peter, right? Uh, was Peter? Uh, uh, well, yeah, he 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 denied, so he sort of quit being a follower. That's certainly right. true. So, uh, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say. Then I think there's the guy that spent some three or four nights inside a fish because he was oh, really trying goodness. to escape a job that he didn't want to do. Jonah, and yeah. it, it, right. And there, it, as I was studying, I really had forgotten how often the children of Israel, as they were walking to uh, get to the promised land, and it took them 40 years for the Lord to get them ready and prepared. And how many of them, how often the scriptures shared that they were discouraged and wanted to stop and even wanted to go back to being to Egypt and those kinds of things. But the most amazing story that I had not reread for years was the little shepherd boy who had a bunch of brothers who had gone and were fighting the king for the king, and David was set, stayed at home. The young kid was stayed at home to take care of the sheep, and his dad gave him directions to take some food to the to the brothers so they wouldn't be hungry. And he gets there, and the the big battle of the day is not will Russia invade. The Ukraine. The Ukraine. It was, will Goliath kill all of the children of Israel and the, and the group there? And David gets involved in this. And he said, what's going on? What's going on? And then he has, and the, and the brothers get mad because he's come and they're saying, why didn't you stay home and take care of the sheep? He could have, and he said he'd come because his dad had told him to come. And so then he asked somebody else, what's happening? What's happening? I want to know. And they told him that Goliath was going to try and, and uh, uh, was they were fighting the Philistines, and, and Goliath was their chief warrior. And this wonderful, wonderful verse, when Saul calls David to come and see and talk to him, that he had, that he had Saul had overheard David asking about him. And David said this verse to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of the Philistines. Your servant will go and fight him. And I thought, this kid who, you know, he might have been 12, 15, 20, you know, I don't know exactly, I'm not that big of a historian, but he was, he was the, young, the young brother, so he was at home. And he was so wise, he said, can you imagine a kid standing up to the king and said, don't lose heart, I'll go out, 
I'll take care of him. And then if you remember sort of the story, they tried to load him down with all of the king's armor, and David tries it on and he can't move. It's sort of, I thought about like putting a 12-year-old a into the football uniform of the of the, the, the front line of the, of the team last night. And so he takes it off and he takes his little slingshot. And long story, and everybody knows the end, that, you know, the Goliath was killed. But I just keep going back to that phrase, let no one lose heart on the card of, on account of the Philistines. I will not let you give up. I am going to go and take care of you. Now, somebody had to go to the king and help him. And that was a young boy. My challenge to my listening audience today, Frank, is that in a way, the minister or the pastor certainly is not a king. I'm not suggesting that. But he's but he is the the the, uh, the front line, the, the the one of the top leaders. Different churches may have a, a board; they may have you know other support pastors, but it's still he's sort of the, the 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 front line that everybody sees. And when you lose him, and he's discouraged, we, the young Davids, need to figure out ways. How can we support the king? How can we support our pastors? What can we do? And if you had to come and think about, I don't know whether you have a priest or a minister or a pastor or a rabbi, Frank, it doesn't make any difference. But if you knew he was getting discouraged, or she, what would be one simple thing you think you could do to add encouragement so that you could say, let no one lose heart i think if you point out the and, and again let's let's go under the assumption that these are all terrific people that are dedicating their their lives to to god and to spreading the uh, the word and to um to get <laughs> folks to uh you know to to follow but not follow them but follow follow the lord these are these are people that inherently want to lead and they want to help. And I think if you point out to them how many people they, if this is, of course, if you know this information, uh, how many people they've helped, how many people they've been there for, and it was allowed to, it was, uh, you know, allowed to happen because of their leadership and and good things were about to happen now uh, if you point that out uh, you you could you know almost boy i don't want to say this uh, this is terrible but you almost shame them into <laughs> believing you know that that uh, that the world would be a much worse place to and, and i laugh because it, it you know you know who am i to shame anybody into but the world would be a much worse place if if the leaders left their flock, if the shepherds left their their sheep, so to speak, and and again, uh, I think you know if you started with that, you know it's what what happens if you leave? Who's to take over? Right? Are you leaving us alone? Are you leaving us? What does that tell people? That I mean, look look at four out of ten men and women that that are 
of the cloth are discouraged enough to think about leaving. How many people in that audience or in that, that sparse audience, how many people do you think are ready to, uh, ready to quit? And if they hear this from their leaders, how many of them would just go by the wayside? And all you need is, uh, you know, you could blow on some of these uh, parishes, uh, some of these uh, ministries, and, uh, whatever, and, and you could knock them over with a feather. Um, they're so sparse, the, uh, the people there. It's terrible. I mean, it, it is going religion in general. And I'm not saying Christianity, and I'm not saying uh, the uh, Judaism, but religion in general uh, are is is at a very challenging time period. So I, I think you know we have to appeal to those leaders to stay. Without those leaders, I I, I don't know where we go. We're, we're the next generation, past me, past my wife, past you, and you're the generation ahead of us. You're my mom's generation. Uh, you know, think about it. And, and, I, and I, I think you're right. As a as sort of a, a counselor, and, and I did some training in that. I've never done any real uh, professional counseling. But I, I would balance the fact that what's going to happen if you leave with a really strong foundation of reminding them of some positive things that have happened. Uh, for example... Who's somebody? I would try to to know of somebody that they had counseled with, had visited, helped with sickness, uh, maybe something that had happened a relationship with me personally, meaning they had done something for me or helped me over a a, a thorn bush, whatever it might be. I would try to give them uh, maybe mention a sermon that had really touched my heart and then touched the hearts of several others and. We had a great illustration of that two Sundays ago at our church, where um, a, a, an instant was, instance was sh- shared by our minister, and I think the audience was almost in tears. It, it, and it was not something that he had done. He shared an event that two members had done. But the fact that by sharing that story in such a wonderful way, he encouraged so many other people. I think we, if we're trying to help somebody, need to really tell them what they personally are doing in a specific way and not just in a general way. For example, it doesn't have to be very fancy. Sunday, we had our associate minister was preaching. He did a wonderful job. As I'm leaving and going down to class and people are all there and I didn't really have a chance to talk to him, I just gave him the thumbs up. That afternoon, I received an email from him saying, oh, thank you. I'm so glad my sermon helped. Now, he knew that my thumbs up and interpreted. I didn't have to say a word. But I think if we could get more people to just have simple ways of encouraging, part of that is we have to step in and help carry the burden. If we have several that are sick and really desperate, some of us must call. We maybe need to send a gift card to a nice restaurant or uh, depending on what you think they need because and say with a little message, take your wife out and have an, an evening on me. Or if it's a family that's maybe they've got a lot of kids and even though the parish and church is paying him a, a nice salary, you know that 
ends are tough, send him a, a gift card to Walmart or someplace where he might be able to buy clothes or something and just have a happy moment with his family. Uh, maybe take the, the whole family out to dinner, but I'm a great one for sharing a little bit of a gift card and letting them have time together to just rejoice. Somehow we have to help encourage and reduce the burden that some of these leaders have, and that means I've got to go the second mile. David had to go and help the king. He had to step in and help him. And I think we sometimes have to step in, and, and it happened even though David was willing to do it. His brothers were mad at him. Why did you leave the sheep? Why did you go? But he, he knew he had another purpose. One, his dad told him to take the food. And that was a good purpose. But he also recognized he had his eyeballs open, Frank. He saw that the king needed some help. If I go to church and if I have contact with the staff, I better jolly well keep my eyes open and see, do they need some help? What do I need to do? Does the leader of the church camp, is she or he getting discouraged? What can I do to help meet some of the needs? So I would encourage our leaders, listening audience to uh, take inventory. Let's see if we can't reduce this number of from 38% to maybe only 15%. There's always going to be people who decide, eh, maybe I got into the wrong profession. Maybe I need, and I'm not talking about people, and, and there certainly are ministers and, and uh, Christian leaders who do things that aren't right and need, need to get out of ministry. I'm not talking about that group. That's a whole different question. I'm just talking about honest discouragement. And we have to have a helping hand. And we need to keep remembering the Lord is always going to be there. But he works through us. He can't, he could do it magically, but he doesn't. He sent us to be the helping hands. Well, enough about that. I want to check and see how your Bible knowledge is. Do you remember, Frank, two or three weeks ago, I gave you a few questions? Yep. And they were, they were sort of more silly. Well, I've got... Because this is Valentine's Day that we're recording this. I've got six questions for you. I don't, that's not too many. I think you can handle those six. And they're, they all they sort of relate to love and uh, lovers. Obviously, they don't relate to Valentine's. But just for kicks, how many times do you think the lo word love appears in the New Testament? In the NIV, that's uh, one of the translations of the Bible, and that's a current one that lots of people use. How many times do you think the word love appears? And I've got four options. Okay. So this is in the whole Bible, okay? 63, 551, 1,024, or 227 times. 63, 551, 1024, or 227. Now, we're talking uh, both Testaments? We're talking New and Old? Yes, the whole Bible. Okay, because uh, the New Testament, uh, a, a lot more love, right, than uh, uh, than Old Testament, uh, I imagine. 
as a more love once Jesus came on the scene in, in, in the scriptures. Uh, can you give the numbers again? I'm sorry. Sure. 63, 551, 1024, 1024, 227. Uh, believe it or not, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, I, God, if I go if I go too low, uh, I'm going to feel foolish. But how about the second one, 551? And that's the right one. You guessed. I I have to admit, I when I did when I took the quiz myself, I had the uh, one thousand twenty four because I just thought the word love must be in there umpteen times because the thought of love and the communication and the idea of love is certainly everywhere in the Bible, but certainly in the New Testament. You're exactly right. Question number two. All right, this is an Old Testament one. Who had a warrior named Uriah? or soldier, uh, uh, Uriah, who sent him to the front lines for a fierce fighting. Thus, and this is the horrible part, thus assuming he would probably be killed, and for what reason? Why did this guy send a warrior to the front lines knowing he'd probably be killed? Uh, who would it have been? He was in love with his uh, his wife. Or his... Ooh. Ooh, you're getting close. Uh, he was in love with his uh, oh concubine uh, no uh, 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 girlfriend I mean what, what? well he, Go ahead. he well uh, all right we got the soldier going and who is the the individual the unknown individual he's in love with somebody oh he's in love with Bathsheba right is it Bath right and how is Bathsheba related to the warrior um, Bathsheba oh my gosh. Well, why, why would I want to send this warrior out to the front lines to get killed? Yeah, so I could be with Bathsheba, right? That's that's right. So, so who's the guy that's handling all of this? King David. No, yeah, King David. He, no kidding. It was oh. it's sort of interesting. He was watching, and Bathsheba was out on the at the top of her porch. I believe it. She was sort of <clears throat> right. getting some suntan. And uh, David sort of fell in love with her. And so he, he couldn't just, as the king, he couldn't just, he, I mean, he probably could have, but he didn't want to. So he called in uh, Bathsheba's husband from the front lines uh, and then uh, told uh, told the, the leadership of the army, I want you to send him back on the front lines where he'd be killed. And then David would feel free taking Bathsheba to do whatever he wanted to do with her. Isn't that, that's the opposite of Valentine's Day. Do you know that? That's that's yucky. That's uh, that's terrible, <laughs> terrible. In case in case somebody wants to read about it, it's found in Second Samuel, the uh, eleventh chapter. They could go back. Okay, uh, this one's a New Testament one. This is much more. Right, this is serious. First Corinthians thirteen one verse thirteen one. This is, uh, and, and we often refer to First Corinthians as the love chapter. Okay, and one of the verses says this. I am I quote. Obviously, uh, it's not Catherine speaking. I'm quoting from 1 Corinthians 13. What? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm only what? And I've got four answers. Okay? So if I don't talk in love, if I don't share in love, I'm deceiving myself. B, I'm a clanging symbol. C, I'm telling lies, or D, 
I'm a stringless harp. See, I, I think I'm going to get this wrong. Can you, can you say the second one again? Sure. A clanging cymbal, a telling lies, a, stringing, a stringless harp, or deceiving myself. I'm going to say a stringless harp. Uh, I, I may not be right, but uh, I, I know I've heard the stringless harp reference in the Bible, right? Well, the, the right answer in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, I hate to tell you, was that I'd just be a clanging cymbal, but that would be very similar to a stringless harp. In other words, I wouldn't be making any music, right. and it wouldn't make any sense. So regardless of which you chose, you chose the right concept that I may have the ability to speak in tongues, and some of that was happening in those days in the Scripture. I may even be uh, relating things that the angels might have said or whatever. If, if I don't do it in love, and I'm just doing it for meanness, or I'm just doing it as a routine, or I'm just sharing and talking about scriptures and preaching, and I don't have love behind it. I'm just a clanging symbol. It doesn't mean much. It's just going to be much noise. Okay, number four question. How many, I, I know you'll get this one. How many times did Peter deny that he knew and loved the Lord on that dreadful evening? Three times. That's right. He denied Christ three times. Bingo, you got that one right on. Abraham, back in the Old Testament, had at least three wives or concubines. Two were named Hagar and Keturah. I always liked Keturah because that's what my dad called me, and my name is Catherine. Who was his principal wife with the legal rights and the social standings? In other words, I guess in those days you had one was, you're right, absolutely. And she was... Mother of uh, Isaac. Correct. And, of course, Isaac becomes involved as we continue on through the Old Testament. And your last question, and this is really important for, the, for our Valentine weekend. What is considered the love chapter of the Bible? John 3, Genesis 2, 1 Corinthians 13, or Revelation 21? Uh, 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 Corinthians Right. Yes, because if you remember question three, I gave it away. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, a revelation, uh, you, you don't think, when you think of revelations, uh, uh, you, you, you're not thinking love necessarily. Well, love, yes, but you're not, that's not your first thought. And then uh, anything in Genesis uh, was, uh, you know, more about uh, history and creation and, uh, and everything else. And then the, what was the third one that you mentioned? John 3. John 3, okay, right. Uh, could have been. Which, would have been, which would have been more about the time, uh, well, early in the life of Christ. Well, Frank, we have had quite a range of topics for today, but it's so much fun, and it is Valentine's Day, and we sort of talked about love, and I, I would just leave with our audience that uh, we are so blessed to have freedom to love the Lord and to worship. Uh, let's continue to remember to support our leadership let's reach out to our kids it's this is a time when young people aren't necessarily getting involved with the lord and some of us who are a little older must indeed take hold of the hands of some people who uh, are, are young and help them become involved and engaged and have that love that only christ can give us so thank you for letting me visit with you today 
Thank you, Catherine. And while you were talking, when we were talking about discouragement, I just Googled on my phone real quick, uh, discouragement uh, ministers, or, or, uh, discouragement with religion, and it's it's just so prevalent. If, if all of you just Google that, you'll see how important it is. Uh, hope alive and, and faith alive, um, but it's, it's epidemic, as epidemic as, uh, as COVID-19. The uh, the discouragement of of these people of of faith, um, tremendous, Catherine. Thank you very much for sharing and and to everyone else. Uh, please binge listen to all of all of the other shows you've been listening to. Ransom notes. Get the book. Ransom notes. Watch the documentary. Ransom notes. We'll see you next time on Ransom. Notes. And then I have one. I have one last ahead, Valentine. I have one last Valentine thing. This is from one of my favorite. Uh, sort of cartoony people yeah. uh, some of our people may know Maxine and she's a cartoon and you know she it's called Crabby Road and her message for us today is every year in the middle of February something wonderful and heartwarming happens tons of candy goes on clearance sale <laughs> so that's my non-serious part thought for the day Goodbye. Goodbye. And to everyone, we'll see you next time on Ransom Notes.